and welcome to this week's sermon from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee, Illinois. This is the sermon for the week of February 3rd, 2019, the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. The sermon is entitled, I Am Only, and is based on Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10 and verses 17 through 19. It was preached by Pastor Carl Copen. I apologize for the low quality of the recording. The text for the message comes from the Old Testament reading from Jeremiah chapter 1. Let us pray. Gracious God, bless us as we desire your presence in our lives. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. In the reading today, we heard the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I said, Ah, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you, send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I will rescue you, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. This is our reading. Have you ever heard of Harry Lipsick? Uh, he was 88 years old, and he decided to leave a law firm that he spent a better part of 60 years building up to start a new one, to start a, a new firm. And so at an age where a lot of people had given up, he decided to try his first case in a long time. And this was the situation. There was a woman suing a, a drunken police officer that struck and killed her 71-year-old husband with his patrol car, and she argued that the city deprived her of her husband's future earning potential. Well, the lawyers for the police officer argued that, well, at age 81, the earnings potential was uh, pretty limited, right? Uh, and they thought they had a clever defense until they realized this woman's argument about her husband's future earning potential was being advanced by a vigorous 88-year-old attorney. <laughs> and so after he finished his opening remarks, the city lawyers decided it would be best to settle the case. <laughs> what if 88-year-old Harry Lipstick had said, I'm only a senior citizen. What can I do? Well, let's get this a little bit closer to home. What happens to you when you hear, maybe it's a close friend or a relative has met with some kind of tragedy? You know, it's one of those calls that leaves you weak at the knees, right? Uh, and you slowly hang up that receiver. You pass on the news to the rest of the family. Your first instinct is, I want to be there for them. I, I want to say something. You want to do something. Anything. But then the doubt begins to get to you, right? Perhaps there are questions in your mind. You ask, well, what in the world can I do? Uh, I don't have any special skills here. No special training to deal with this kind of situation. I'm just a fill in the blank. I, I'm, I'm just a housewife. I'm just a laborer. I'm just a, an accountant. I'm just a teenager. I'm just a secretary. I'm just a farmer. I'm just a retiree. God came to Jeremiah and said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah said, but Lord, I don't know how to speak. And then he spoke those three words, which are so easy when we consider something too challenging or too demanding. Jeremiah said, I am only. I am only a child. 
mean, it's hard to imagine that since Jeremiah really became one of the greatest prophets and spokespersons of God. Here we read about God's call to Jeremiah to be a messenger to the people of Israel. We hear about Jeremiah's reluctant reply. Before God could use Jeremiah, he had to deal with those three words. In fact, God must have known Jeremiah would use those even before he spoke them out loud because God says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before those words, Jeremiah thought of himself merely as the son of his father, Hilkiah. But that's all changed now. Before Jeremiah was born, God had chosen him to be a special messenger to his people. God had this deep commitment to Jeremiah, a deep commitment to the people of Israel. Not only that, God said that Jeremiah was set apart, that he was consecrated, that he was blessed. And there are going to be dark days ahead for Jeremiah, and it was important for him to recall that it was God who had especially set him apart and appointed him a prophet. Now, Jeremiah joined the ranks of a lot of others, a lot of others who considered themselves just ordinary people but were called away from their ordinary task by God to speak his word. Moses was looking after his father-in-law's sheep. Gideon was threshing wheat. Amos was attending his fig trees. Peter, James, and John were out fishing. Young Jeremiah was chosen, set apart to be God's messenger. Just as God in his grace came to Jeremiah and called him to be a prophet, God has also come to you and me. Through his grace and mercy, God has come to us at the moment of our baptism. That he has given us that new identity, a new life, a new responsibility. Uh, just as Jeremiah was given a new responsibility that day, so also we have been given new responsibilities as God's chosen people. Chosen to be God's voice, to speak his word of comfort and, and grace. Chosen to be his ears, to, to, to hear those cries. Chosen to be God's hands to demonstrate God's love through our care and our love. Chosen to be God's feet to go and be his disciples and witnesses to, 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 and show God's love to all people in our neighborhood, in our family, our community, in fact, the whole world. St. Peter reminds us of this when he writes, You are a chosen people, a holy people, a, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. But how often is our response similar to that of Jeremiah's? When that phone rings, when uh, we hear of someone in distress or, or grief or pain, we're faced with that question whether we can or cannot bring a, a word of grace and healing and comfort to that person. God calls Jeremiah and he blurts out, I can't, I, I don't have the training. I'm just a, I'm just a kid. But Jeremiah wasn't alone in his objection to God, to God's call. When God spoke to Moses at the burning bush, <laughs> Moses tried to excuse himself before going to Pharaoh, saying, you know, I don't speak well, I'm a, I'm a nobody. How can I go to the, to the Pharaoh and bring the Israel's, Israelites out of Egypt? Gideon was told by God to lead an army to rid the land of an enemy. But he complained, how, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. I'm the least one in my family. Likewise, Jeremiah felt totally inadequate to be a messenger for God. There's a story goes that a young boy by the name of Tom, uh, born in the mid-1800s, uh, 
He started school at the age of seven. After spending 12 weeks in this one-room schoolhouse with 39 students of all other ages, uh, Tom's overworked, short-tempered teacher lost his patience with his questions and behavior. It appeared that Tom was a problem. In fact, the school reported that Tom appeared to be mentally unstable. <laughs> the young boy, when able to concentrate on anything, went on to achieve great things. Tom, Thomas, Alva, Edison, <laughs> one of the greatest inventors. What if he had said, I am only. I'm only a first grade dropout. I'm only a boy that couldn't get along with others in school. I'm only a child who everyone thinks is mentally unstable. Those words that we use to put ourselves down and offer as a reason why we can't do anything. I don't know how to speak. I am only a child. I don't have what it takes to be on a, on a group. I, I don't know how to visit the sick. I don't know what to say to a neighbor about Jesus. I, I don't have any special talents. I am only, I'm, I'm only a, a housewife or a retiree or a secretary or a nurse. Fill in the blank. Our fear of failure is not unusual. When overwhelmed, we don't know what to do, what we will say, how we will cope in the situation. We will feel much. We would much rather leave it to someone else, and so we say, "I'm only." Like Jeremiah, we need to be reminded that we are more than what we say we are. Each one of us has been chosen. We have been set apart and appointed by God to be His people and chosen to proclaim His wonderful deeds. Jeremiah recorded these words of God: "The Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a child, but you must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you." Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. If God can do that for Jeremiah and Gideon and Moses and Peter, he can do it for you and me too. God challenges us to be his messengers. He equips us. Like Jeremiah, we can be full of excuses and objections, saying we're busy or someone else is better. But the word of God rings in our ears today. Do not be afraid, God says, I am with you. And so assured with those words, we can take the risk. We can step out in reaching out to that friend, a friend that would appreciate some guidance. At this point in the message, I want to share with you some thoughts that I shared at our voters meeting last Sunday. Last week we've been working with, or last year we've been working with some representatives from the Northern Illinois District to work on a new mission statement. We were able to work one up, but it's sort of has been set aside, and, and uh, but it's important uh, that we consider that for us, that we are rooted in Christ, that we are growing together in Christ, that we're branching out in Christ. It speaks to a lot of things. It speaks to our, our study of the Word, it speaks to worship and to fellowship and service and care ministries and evangelism and so many other things, all important aspects of our life together as God's people, embracing that theme for the year to therefore go. And so I want to share with you some thoughts on where we're at as a church and school. First, there's joy. There's joy as we walk into a new year. Uh, joy as uh, uh, do so with joy at the work of God in our lives, in the life of our congregation and school, joy at God's good gifts, joy at God's blessings, joy at God's presence. 
There's also joy as we've been able to accomplish as we've paid down a seven-plus million-dollar loan to now $3.7 million. Joy and thankfulness for the faithfulness and generosity of so many people. Joy at how God continues to bring people to us that we may always welcome those visitors with joy as we share the love of our Savior. Joy as our church and school explore just what it means to be a disciple, that we therefore go and share that message of life, that message of forgiveness, that message of salvation. Joy that in December we heard not only our day school students, but our Sunday school students tell that story again about the birth of our Savior. They hear, they learn, they proclaim the glory, might, and salvation of Jesus. Joy as we consider the many faculty, the staff, the volunteers that step up day in and day out to make our church and school function with their dedication and selfless service. I'm in awe and wonder at what God continues to do in and through us as people of God. And for that, I am thankful. But we also step into the the new year with some worries. If you've been looking at our weekly report of our offerings, our general and building fund, you notice that it doesn't quite always meet up with our needs. The offerings, general fund offerings, are about 85% of what we need. Out of 31 weeks so far in our fiscal year, eight were at or over what was needed each week. Building fund offerings are about 54% of what is needed. That continual decline keeps digging us deeper and it presents us with some worries. Now we can take comfort in the fact that there are a lot of churches, not all Lutheran, that are experiencing the very same thing and we could shrug our shoulders and do nothing, but I'm not comfortable with that. and I don't think you are either. Leaders have been struggling with this and trying to figure out how to right the ship, if you will, and, and trying things like that yearly stewardship campaign, trying the beginning of last year, the give a little extra, the, the, the consecrated stewards in the fall, but the reality is those have not made any difference. We can correct the course. It's not going to be easy. One thing we're doing is exploring that refinancing of our mortgage through the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, giving us a little bit more breathing room, but it's really not enough to cover the shortfalls. The tough discussion has been that the only thing that's really going to make up that much, that shortfall, is a reduction in staff. Been trying to wrestle with that. About, about how to do that, where to cut. There needs to be cuts on the church side and on the school side. Schools made some staff changes at the beginning of the school year, given us some savings. A full-time person was cut, replaced by two part-timers, which meant no benefits, so there's some savings there. Possible there are some other changes for the next school year. But what's interesting is right now we are at the exact same size staff we had four years ago, and we've got 40 more students. On the church side, we're exploring uh, different options to make cuts as well. And it's not easy, because on the church side, there's a smaller number to choose from. Hiring employees is one thing, but called employees is a whole different category. Northern Illinois District has a guideline uh, for congregations 
in financial difficulties and going through the process of a reduction in staff. One of the suggestions is before the process is impl implemented is to approach a person privately. I was part of one such meeting uh, to encourage our DCE, Angel Gillespie, to explore, to consider looking for a call. Because we know that next year the budget's going to be even tighter. I know that request upset a lot of people. That meeting was one of the most difficult ones I've ever had as a pastor. And as you can imagine, as a result, I've had a lot of meetings and phone calls and emails. I was asked, are we making this decision based on money or on our mission? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it's something that we really need to explore because God's mission is important. But that being said, our mission to care, we also have a mission to care for our workers too. And in the end, bills are due. Monthly expenses, two payrolls, sometimes three, benefit plans, mortgage. These numbers are the tightest I have ever seen for the period right after Christmas that I've been at St. Paul's. There's some moments in the past six months where I wasn't sure we're going to make payroll. And I'm not sure about this month sometimes, too. These are the realities. And I ask that keep us in our prayers as we continue to try to figure something out. There's the old adage where, 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 there are, where there are two or three Lutherans, there are four or five opinions. You know, whatever decisions are made, they're difficult. And I know whatever decisions are made, I know people aren't going to be happy. We can make decisions based on mission, but we also need to deal with the reality that we need to pay bills too. And so the work continues. We're using the guidelines to put together that process for staff reduction. At the voters meeting, we had the first vote to change the bylaws of our constitution to allow that process. But it's a constitutional change, so it takes two, two votes to do that. Uh, there'll be a second vote at a later date. We really haven't scheduled it yet. We'll inform you when we're ready to do that. Uh, at that meeting, we're also gonna look at the process we're gonna follow. And I'm sure, like anything, when we get into that process, everyone has an opinion. You know, everyone has their favorite to save. Everyone has their favorite to cut. You know, I know that. And as weird as it sounds, I'm thankful here too. I'm thankful for members that we can discuss these things calmly and with love. I know sometimes we get heated. I'm thankful for people who step up and Help us take the blinders off and see the reality of our, our, our financial situation. I'm thankful for leaders, old and new, who had this passion for our church, this passion for our school, and willing to wrestle with this, as hard as it is, for the mission that God has given us. And so, as we begin a new year, I'm going to present with you, to you uh, some challenges I shared on Sunday. Let's think of them as getting back to the basics, right? There, there are four of them. Only one is really asking you to consider stewardship and, and, and uh, responding to God's gifts. The first one, let's just call it see and respond. Uh, this is perhaps the most pressing need. We really need to open our eyes and see the gifts. 
see the provisions, see the blessings of our good and gracious God. We need to see them in our lives. We need to see them in our lives of our family and our friends. We need to see them in the life of our church. We need to see them and then let us respond. Respond in thanks and praise to what God is doing. Respond by sharing uh, the, the joyful news with others. Respond by giving back of our time and our talents and our treasures. Responding in joy to God's good gifts. Second one I titled, Welcome and Greet. Well, you know, we're a lot better at this than when I came back in 1996, but it's still important for us to greet people as they come and visit our congregation. And, and quite honestly, it still goes for people that are uh, that are uh, been attending for many years, maybe going to a different service and it's a new service for them. Enjoying fellowship and conversation with others after church rather than just making a beeline for the door and getting out of here to go to the next thing. It's interesting that a lot of times when I uh, hear from people who want to join the church and we're going through the classes, one of the things they say is they were, uh, when I shared this with leaders one time, they said, that's us. Uh, they, I, they said they were made to feel so welcomed by our congregation. Let's welcome them. Let's guide them. Let's help them grow in Jesus. Let's listen to their passion, their gift, and abilities that we might help them find a place for service to our Lord, either in the church, in the school, or maybe even in our community. third one's a little bit longer. Uh, sort of title is, Call, ask, and show that you care. You know, while we have a lot of new people visiting, the reality is we've got a lot of established members, I won't say old members, established members, and even new members that have fallen away and coming from church. Now, there are a lot of different reasons for that. I know I've presented this challenge a lot of times over the years, but it's good for all of us uh, uh, to be reminded of this opportunity that God gives us. I mean, you're sitting here in church, you're sitting in the same place you usually do, because I look out and I know exactly where you're sitting. Uh, you look around and, 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 you know, you look around, you see an empty spot where someone used to sit. You know who they are. Some have gone on to be with the Lord. Some have moved. But many have not. So as you talk with others and have coffee, maybe you're reminded of people you haven't seen in a long time. I want to challenge you to act on that prompting and urging of God's Holy Spirit. So when you think of that one person, or, or maybe two or three or four, give them a call. If you see them while you're shopping, stop and talk with them. Don't go to another row and avoid them. Ask. Ask how they're doing and listen. And then show that you care. Say, you know, I don't think I've seen you for a while at church. I miss seeing you there. I hope everything's okay. Is, is, is there anything that the church can do for you? Is there anything I can be praying for you about? I think you would be surprised that people are really waiting to hear from us. You know, our Gabriel Callers Ministries that I mentioned in the announcements, uh, they're doing this ministry. It's a little subgroup of our congregation with some terif- terrific results. And quite frankly, I think it ought to be included to the whole congregation to make those contacts. Call, ask, and show that you care. Then the fourth one, I've sort of added a part to this. I'm I'm calling this one study and share. Not sunny and share, study and share. All right. Uh, You know, we need to be in God's word. We need to study those promises of God. 
We need the comfort that he gives through his word. And we need to share. I mean, we so easily share things, right? We share our favorite recipe, our favorite TV show, our favorite movie, our favorite doctor, our home remedy, our workout routine, our auto mechanic. But when do we share our love for the Lord? When do we share our favorite Bible passage? When do we even share an invitation to worship or Bible study? This is a lifelong appointment, my friends. You don't retire from this. We should share those things. They should be at the top of our sharing list because if we truly believe what we say and confess what we believe, we should want everyone to know Jesus and his love. We should want all people to be claimed and saved by Christ for all eternity. I mean, it is, it's great to see you guys here week in and week out in worship and enjoying our great facilities. <laughs> more than anything else, more than anything else. I want... I want to see you around the throne of Christ in eternity. That's the only thing that really matters. We can recommend and share our best TV show or cell phone company, but we can do that for Christ. Share the joy you have in Christ. Share the joy you've received from our great, from your gracious God. Share the urgency of knowing Jesus. Share the forgiveness and comfort that he gives. Share the hope that he carries you through the good times and through the difficult situations in life. Share Jesus. Share the joy of knowing Him. That's our challenge as we therefore go. This is also our challenge as we think about our mission and involvement with, with something like that, that Fortitude Homeless Ministry. You know, it, it might not be possible for the downtown church fellowship hall to be used as a shelter. There's a lot of expense to get things ready to do something like that. But that doesn't mean we should not take part in a ministry like that. We can still help by praying for them, by praying for their success and safety, by volunteering, by cooking, by raising donations, as, as we've been doing some here at the school, uh, by to help someone other than ourselves. That is the one area that we can really share. So the challenge is, as we begin the new year, to see God's gifts and respond, to welcome and greet those around us here, to call, ask, and show that you care about the people of St. Paul's, and study God's word and share the joy of Jesus. To be honest, the, the, those four things may or, or may not turn around our, our, our financial situation. But what they will do, they will help us look at Christ's mission for us. They will help us focus on helping others. They will help us look toward, toward, toward our Lord and seeing things His way. Really wanting to affirm that we are rooted in Christ, that we're growing together in Christ and branching out in Christ. The joys the worries, and the challenges this year. I'm comforted by a quote I saw on Facebook this past week or a week ago uh, from John Maxwell, the great leadership guru. Uh, he said, uh, God uses people who fail because there aren't any other kind around. So God can use even me, fallible me, sinful me. That means he can also use you. Which brings us back to Jeremiah. I am only. Just like Jeremiah, Gideon, Moses, and Peter, God uses you and me too. 
Just like Jeremiah, we can be full of excuses and objections about giving, about doing something, about being involved or thinking someone else is better. We can hesitate and wonder uh, what on earth we could possibly say or do, but we need to remember Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, Oh, sovereign Lord, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a child. Imagine what God could do if instead of saying, I'm only, we proclaim, I trust you, Lord. May the words of God to Jeremiah ring in our ears today, too. Do not be afraid. I will be with you. Those words from our gracious God should strengthen you and me as we reach out in the name of Jesus, as we face all the things we're facing right now. Do not be afraid. I am with you. It's my prayer that God's presence and God's strength be with us as we tackle our struggles, but also as we share his love, as we share his mercy, as we share his grace with each other and the world. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee, Illinois. You can find this and other podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and clicking the sermons button at the top of the page. Thank you for listening and God's blessings.